Ready to unwrap a surprise from Consumer Cellular? Experience the gift of freedom with no contract, no hidden fees, and always free activation. Here comes the holiday surprise. From now till December 31st, new customers can enjoy their second month for free. To get this holiday offer, visit ConsumerCellular.com or call 1-888-FREEDOM and use promo code PODCAST. Act before December 31st to get your second month on us. Use promo code PODCAST. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99 percent of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's stephan tubbs welcome to this week's edition of the american veteran show thank you for joining us as we have our first episode here in the new month of august 2022 coming up straight ahead we will talk about The fact that one of the top terrorists wanted by the United States since September 11th of 2001 is no longer. We got him, as the president said. We'll talk about the death, the drone strike death of Zwahiri, and take a look at what the president said, as well as analysis from our military expert and consultant, retired U.S. Army Major Mike Lyons, that's straight ahead. We will talk again and visit with Eric Odland, a United States combat veteran who knows all about Zwahiri. We'll hear about him and his thoughts on the taking out of this terror leader coming up as Eric Odland is running for Congress in Colorado's 7th Congressional District. We also will discuss the first ever Marine Corps four-star general That happened this past week, and we begin, of course, with uh, some news. We promised we would do this, the update on the PACT Act. We'll have that straight ahead. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor, Attorney John Boson, and his team of attorneys that fight on behalf of veterans every single day. You can give them a call, easy phone number, 303-999-9999, or their website, bosonlaw.com. That's B-O-E-S-E-N. Law, bosonlaw.com. Glad you're with us on this Sunday. On this vote, the yeas are 86, the nays are 11. Under the previous order requiring 60 votes for the adoption of this motion to concur, the motion is agreed to. This time last week, we were talking about Senate Republicans who had blocked this due to pork. Of course, the optics, as we discussed, the optics weren't good, but Last week, we found out that Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, they had come to some sort of an agreement. Regardless of what they did behind the scenes, this was a very positive for our veterans, especially from Iraq and Afghanistan that have been dealing with sometimes decades now of complications because of toxins in the air near those toxic burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. You know, every so often, folks... America lives up to its ideals, and those are days that we savor. Well, today, finally, at long last, America lived up to its ideals by saying to our veterans who have been exposed 
to toxic chemicals from burn pits, we have your back, finally. No more, no more will veterans go to hospital, VA hospitals and be told, get a lawyer, go find some arcane, ridiculous proof before we'll give you help. Now they'll get the help. And I have to say this, this would not have happened. We senators, all of us, and I want to particularly thank John Tester and Jerry Moran, we senators were instrumentalities in this, but it wouldn't have happened with the stead without the steadfastness of our veterans who said, we demand our rights, we're going to get them, and we're not going to stop till we achieve victory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Last week from Capitol Hill, we now switch gears to the taking out of one of the biggest terrorists on the planet. And the mission was a success. None of his family members were hurt, and there were no civilian casualties. I'm sharing this news with the American people now, after confirming the mission's total success through the painstaking work of our counterterrorism community and key allies and partners. My administration has kept congressional leaders informed as well. When I ended our military mission in Afghanistan almost a year ago, I made the decision that after 20 years of war, the United States no longer needed thousands of boots on the ground in Afghanistan to protect America from terrorists who seek to do us harm. And I made a promise to the American people that we continue to conduct effective counterterrorism operations in Afghanistan and beyond. We've done just that. In February, our forces conducted a daring mission in Syria that eliminated the emir of ISIS. Last month, we took out another key ISIS leader. President Biden last week announcing this past weekend's taking out of Zwahiri, and uh, they're in the uh, ellipse, I guess, right outside the Oval Office. You could see the Washington Monument and the Jefferson Memorial right behind him. The president talked about how he had found out, well, they had great intelligence about a week prior. Now we have eliminated the emir of al-Qaeda. He will never again, never again, allow Afghanistan to become a terrorist safe haven because he is gone and we're going to make sure that nothing else happens. You know, it can't be a launching pad against the United States. We're going to see to it that won't happen. This operation is a clear demonstration that we will, we can, and we'll always make good on the sol solemn pledge. My administration will continue to vigilantly monitor and address threats from al-Qaeda, no matter where they emanate from. The president, again, addressing the country, if not the world, of course. And the one issue that we had uh, certainly talked about on our regular program this past week is, can you really make these kinds of statements? This will never happen again. We've eliminated the fact that Afghanistan will be this breeding ground for potential terror. We certainly hope that is the case, don't we? But will it be? As Commander-in-Chief, it is my solemn responsibility to make America safe in a dangerous world. The United States did not seek this war against terror. It came to us, and we answered with the same principles and resolve that have shaped us for generation upon generation, to protect the innocent, defend liberty, and we keep the light of freedom burning, a beacon for the rest of the entire world because this is a great and defining truth about our nation and our people. We do not break. We never give in. 
we never back down. And the president wrapped up his remarks by reflecting on 9-11. Last year on September 11th, I once more paid my respect to Ground Zero in New York City at that quiet field in Shanksville at the Pentagon and at the Pentagon. Standing in the memorial at Ground Zero, seeing the names of those who died forever etched in bronze is a powerful reminder of the sacred promise we made as a nation. We will never forget. The memorial also bears the quotation from Virgil. No day shall erase you from the memory of time. No day shall erase you from the memory of time. So we continue to mourn every innocent life that was stolen on 9-11 and honor their memories. To the families who lost fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, friends and co-workers on that searing September day, it is my hope that this decisive action will bring one more measure of closure. No day shall erase them from the memory of time, today and every day. I'm so grateful for the superb patriots who serve the United States intelligence community and counterterrorism communities. They never forget. And those dedicated women and men who tirelessly work every single day to keep our country safe, to prevent future tragedies. It is thanks to their extraordinary persistence and skill that this operation was a success. They've made us all safer. And to those around the world who continue to seek to harm the United States, hear me now. We will always remain vigilant, and we will act, and we will always do what is necessary to ensure the safety and security of Americans at home and around the globe. Today, we remember the lost. We commit ourselves to the safety of the living, and we pledge that we shall never waver from defending our nation and its people. Thank you all. May God protect our troops and all those who serve in harm's way. We will never, we will never give up. We're just getting started here on the American Veteran Show. We'll continue talking about Ayman al-Zawahiri and his death this past week with our military analyst, Mike Lyons, United States Major Retire. That comes up next on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now. Back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. We continue on the American Veteran Show, as mentioned in our first segment, the the taking out of arguably one of the top terrorists in our lifetime, Ayman al-Zawahiri. We had a chance to discuss things and what kind of impact that this will have maybe down the road. Our military analyst, retired United States Army Major Mike Lyons, and we simply started out by asking, you know, what is the significance, what's the impact of this drone strike death? I'm just looking, thinking about family members from 9-11 and uh, those uh, firemen, police officers, you know, 22 years after the fact, um, you know, the, the United States still goes after the person who helped mastermind that. And I think those family members have got to be somewhat reassured. The USS Cole, of course, I know they're celebrating tonight, I'm sure. There's a memorial to those sailors that were killed. It's on the ship itself. It's a, it's a reverend spot uh, on the ship. I've been there. I've seen it. So I'm going to take the win, and I'm going to say that uh, we took a guy off the battlefield that uh, may, maybe it is uh, you know, not, not as big a deal from a tactical perspective, 
Uh, and we saw the president say a lot of things to your point that, uh, you know, maybe he, we really can't back up. But I've got to give the intel community and the CIA and all the things that went into finding and fixing him first. That's the two big things. And then, and then having the guts to pull the trigger on some level. That neighborhood is a Taliban uh, stronghold, lots of important people. In fact, those reports that some interior minister of, Talib, uh, of the Taliban of Afghanistan was killed. So I'm not sure whether the, what the president said was actually going to be correct. Uh, we're going to find out more as the time goes on. Um, but, um, but I'm not sure if he tries to make political hay of this, that's going to be on him because every 9-11 family member is going to know it right away as well. Absolutely. Let me ask you from a very large, and I mean, obviously you were not involved in the mission. I wasn't, our friends listening, uh, were not, but give us like just in generalities, the president said he approved this about a week ago, obviously incredible intelligence. And they give yep. um, what you all in the military would say is a go. And this is, you know, Mr. President, here's the deal. He gets briefed, et cetera. It's his decision. But what what goes into that? So when he said he approved it a week ago, that really puts a lot of pressure on the intel community to, to fix him and keep him the target. Um, maybe they had him marked because of his cell phone or so from a digital signal. Uh, hard to say. They, they, there's reports about him having a specific behavior patterns. He was coming out on his porch or so. Um, they had to make sure that the family, if he has any family members there, were not going to be in a, in a spot where they would be killed. I think that would have uh, went in the wrong direction. And so that week, that time, it shows me that they were pretty confident that it was him, that, uh, that they had predicted his behavior, and they were going to be able to uh, put the round on the target because, again, there's time of flight when he's seen and where he's at and all, all the things that go into it. Um, I, I, I would have probably would have left that part out uh, that it was a week because I'm sure there was a lot of nervous people that thought they were going to lose him during that time frame. Wow. Mike Lyons, our military analyst, joins us talking about uh, the counterterrorism operation that has killed al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri, Mike joins us with more perspective. I want to just get your take. I'll play a couple of these bites from President Biden that we heard within the last hour. Now we have eliminated the emir of al-Qaeda. He will never again, never again, allow Afghanistan to become a terrorist safe haven because he is gone and we're going to make sure that nothing else happens. You know, it can't be a launching pad against the United States. We're going to see to it that won't happen. This operation is a clear demonstration that we will, we can, and will always make good on the solemn pledge. My administration will continue to vigilantly monitor and address threats from al-Qaeda, no matter where they emanate from. Mike, just your take on that. Again, I know I I have taken this angle that, you know what, you don't want to say things that you can't, to me, necessarily 100 percent certain back. Right. And, and the fact we don't know if uh, if the Taliban will allow uh, Afghanistan be, become a safe haven again for terrorists. We don't know who gave him up as a twenty five million dollar bounty on his head. Uh, was it was it the Taliban government? Now, if that's right. the case, you're going to have ISIS going to war with uh, the Taliban government like we'd much seen in the past. So it, it's you know, the, it, you, we talk about the Middle East and strange bedfellows. Um, somebody made a lot of money. Let's say, let's make that assumption there. Um, but he was given up by somebody. But uh, but again, the president has got to be careful when we talk about. We, we've got tremendous ca- capacity and capability over the horizon. I've always believed in that as well. Um, my fear, though, now is is now that our enemies will get this kind of technology and get this kind of capability, and they could do the same thing to us. And there's a certain amount of um, you know protection that we've got to be careful. We, we, 9/11 happens because of lack of creativity. 
Uh, it's always good to have the terrace on the defense, but at some point when they decide to go on the offense, we, we've got to be as creative and recognize what they're capable of doing. Mike, you mentioned those um, 9-11 families, and we certainly, we all remember. You know what, I'm, I'm not a 9-11 family member, and it's hard to say that they'll ever have closure. No, no, they'll never be one step closer to anything. I, you know, my I've got a good friend that walked down 86 flights of stairs mm. that day, and um, I, every time I see her, I say, "Your job for the rest of your life is to tell the story of the firemen and the police officers you saw going in the other direction, and to look in their face and determination." I, again, I'm going to say I'm glad culturally the United States took a win 20 years later. After we we didn't stop, we went after him. Um, it, it's hard to stomach though some of the things that he does say from a legitimacy perspective, right? I mean, that's really what the issue is if you kind of mm-hmm. put it on the table there. And I think that's what's tough to say. And sometimes it goes overboard. That, you know, there, I, it, old hockey coach once told me when you when you win, say you know when you lose, say nothing, and when you win, say less. And um, <laughs> you know, we, we could we could have probably said a little bit less there today, and we could have got the same message across. Yeah, let me ask you now. Uh, what what traditionally would happen? Say we've seen the uh, we've seen other leaders obviously over the last uh, decade plus taken out. Um, the biggest one, obviously, Osama bin Laden. And I would say that you know overall, from a bigger perspective, we have seen a reduction in terrorist activity uh, since uh, Osama was taken out. But at the same yeah. time, what do we do? Like now, are we on heightened alert? Would you say in our country? Well, we've, that's because we've taken down their networks, their capability to recruit, their capability to raise money. Uh, we've, you know, kind of taken up their their ability to wage war against us. I mean, that's one of the ways that, that Russia is trying to do with Ukraine right now. They're just trying to take away their capability to, to generate revenue, and so that that's all been part of the process of of since really since nine eleven. It's taken that much time. I, I think these networks are very weakened. I think the cells that exist are overseas. I think there's tremendous protection in the homeland. Um, I think we've got to always be careful when we travel abroad and different different places like that. Um, but I, I just don't see it. I think, you know, we took out the CEO of Al-Qaeda today, for whatever that means. There's a lot of different unique networks that exist uh, in, in Asia, in Syria, in, in, in likely Iraq, and there's other different places. But I, I, their, their capability to strike, I think, at the homeland right now is, is very limited. I enjoy hearing that. Um, would you mind, just because people uh, may not know, your connection with the USS Cole? Sure, I have a son who serves on the call. Um, he's uh, on watch right now. In fact, uh, in the Mediterranean, they're deployed. They're forward. They're forward. Um, and uh, you know, he picked that ship. And uh, I've been on the ship. I've seen the memorial to the sailors that were killed that day. It, it's a sacred part of the ship. They respect it every day. The sailors that that serve on that one in particular. Uh, and I guarantee that captain is um, is celebrating tonight. And and. Uh, in in a way that uh, is going to make those those sailors feel like what they're doing is so important. I, I don't think there's anything more important right now than standing watch on a USS battleship that projects power through our of our great country throughout the world. So to me, that's uh, those sailors are just doing a tremendous job. They're all deployed right now forward. We are in your debt for serving. We are in your debt uh, for joining us. When whenever the the text comes into you, you're always a just a yes, and I just much love and respect, man, and, and thank you so much for your analysis on a, a pretty important day, and I think I'm going to leave our conversation with, you know what, Mike says, we'll take the win, and I certainly will take the win. Thank you, my man. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having me. Again, our military analyst, Mike Lyons, retired United States Army Major, nobody better, talking about the United States drone strike last weekend that took out Zwahiri and... 
Will the president's words ring true? Will this maybe end the terror plotting out of a country like Afghanistan? He knows Afghanistan. He knows Iraq. And he's also wanting to be a member of the United States Congress. Our friend of the program, United States Army Captain Eric Odland. We also got reaction from him on the Zwahiri death. We'll have Eric Odland coming up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stefan Tubbs. We're midway through the American Veteran Show for this Sunday. Stay with us in our final segment. We'll talk about Nichelle Nichols. You may know her better as Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek. She, of course, passed last weekend. And, well, she had a big impact in her later years. And her her cooperation, her acknowledgement and involvement with NASA. We'll have that coming up. But first, our friend of the program, he wants to be a United States Congressman Eric Odland is running in CD7. He stopped by the program, and always good to have this United States Army veteran in studio. We started with discussion of current events. Well, that's just great. Just absolutely great. You've heard sirens like that before. You've been deployed. I have, yes. (laughs) You want to just launch into it? Well, why don't we, after we hear Chinese tanks on a beach... Yeah. Of course, I got ahead of myself. Here's where the uh, plane with Pelosi actually lands. There it is. No controversy. No controversy there. Should, in your opinion, you want to be a member of the United States Congress. I'm praying like hell that you will be with your experience and your your policies and all that. We're going to get into again. But should she be there? I would say not, Stefan. I, I think this we've got to handle our relationship right now with all, with China, Russia, aggressive nations around the world very delicately. What we've done is erode American strength at an unprecedented rate. The Biden administration is failing on all fronts. The disaster in Afghanistan is emboldening enemies like China. And I, I, I'm saying it. China is an enemy, but they've got to be handled with... Uh, delicacy, and I, 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 I fail to understand the reason for this trip. That doesn't mean we kowtow to China. Exactly. That doesn't mean that we don't show strength. But we need to be very clear in how we demonstrate force. And, and this trip seems largely unnecessary. It, it is escalating a situation that we don't want. And we got to be in a position to project American strength around the globe. I don't see how this accomplishes it. And I think it's it's making things more dangerous and it's making the issue more complex and i fully agree and i had mentioned this but uh, you know the pentagon announces officially today four u.s warships have been deployed to the area including an aircraft carrier the uss ronald reagan in waters that are near taiwan and of course again i i just i don't care if it's china or our government i'm so sick of the bs the u.s government calls this quote a routine deployment I just don't buy it. Let me play for you. Again, Eric Odlin for Congress. Uh, He's a great guest, and he joins us until 4 o'clock. 
Oddland4Colorado.com. That's A-A-D-L-A-N-D, Oddland4Colorado.com. Here's a guy that disagrees with, well, both of us. If Pelosi had not gone, it would have been a very clear sign of U.S. weakness, U.S. yielding to Beijing over Taiwan. It would have sent a really chilling message to other countries in the world. So I think it's great that she's going, and I think the relationship can be righted from here. I, I understand that mode of thinking, but just wait a minute. What the Chinese have already done, they are surrounding Taiwan on what it calls routine deployments. It just seems like there was a better way to handle this. Well, this is where some foresight comes into play, where we start thinking through the results of our actions and being deliberate with them. This was We knew that China was likely going to take a response to this. We knew in advance we're not dumb. We don't have dumb people in our military and in our intelligence communities advising the president, advising the Speaker of the House. And so we should have recognized that this was escalating a situation that didn't need to be escalated and, and not ever scheduled the trip to begin with. I mean, what does she want to accomplish anyway? Well, one of our listeners uh, texted or via social media said, well, this is deterrence. And while, again, I'm not trying to be wishy-washy, but, okay, I guess I can understand that argument, but this is, wait a minute, Nancy Pelosi is the first step in deterrence to China? I mean, it's lunacy. you You know what deterrence looks like? It looks like a strong America with strong borders, a strong economy, energy independence, a strong military without wokeness. The, the the Biden administration is responsible for the weakness that we've presented. The failure in Afghanistan never should have happened. It was a military disaster. That is a failure that demonstrates weakness. These are the kind of things we need to rectify, starting with America at home. Secure the southern border, get our economy back in shape, get our energy independence back, get our military back on track, address crime domestically that's out of control. Those are the foundations of American strength. Now, I believe in peace through strength policies, but I don't believe in in uh, political theater. And I believe this trip by Nancy Pelosi is political theater that does nothing to exemplify American strength. That just causes more problems. You know what I would say to a caller if they had said that? Preach. Preach. <laughs> Eric Odland is our guest. He's running for Congress. And again, the website, odlandforcolorado.com. One final piece of audio on the Nancy Pelosi trip to Taiwan. And, well, what's she up to? The latest fiery threats from Beijing reaching a fever pitch. Chinese military showing off its tactical might in a video posted online Monday with text reading, it will bury incoming enemies. It comes as a high-level potential visit from the U.S. defies warnings from Chinese officials. Sources telling CNN House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is expected to stop in Taiwan. Oh, she did. She's there as we speak. So here's what China's up to. According to uh, an article, very well-researched, it it certainly seems that way to me, that I found on Politico. China's defense ministry says that it would start to conduct targeted drills, uh, targeted military operations designed to, quote, safeguard national sovereignty in response to the Pelosi visit. And, uh, well, the Chinese defense ministry vows to, quote, resolutely thwart external interference and Taiwan's independence. I, I, I Close quote. I, I tell you again, I don't know if you mean to tell me that part of whatever's going to happen between the United States and, and China starts with Nancy Pelosi. It's still mind-boggling. 
I agree, Stefan. I mean, I, I've said the same thing uh, with with the regards to China and Taiwan, as I was saying, with uh, regards to Russia and Ukraine. Uh, what we must do is articulate American interests everywhere we look. And we haven't done that in, in a couple decades very well. We failed to do that in Iraq. We failed to do that in Afghanistan. And everything is about what are the American interests? I do want to maintain our primacy as the world's superpower. We're capable of doing that if we do the right thing, uh, whether it's uh, around energy independence, around our economy, around our national security. We've got to take steps to project peace through strength. But but the Biden administration is doing the exact opposite, undermining American strength, which makes us appear weak to the globe, has not presented a strong front. Those are the things we need to rectify before we consider escalating a situation, which is what the Nancy Pelosi visit does. I'm talking about building a foundation on rock, not building one on sand that puts us in jeopardy and, and makes us look weak. And that's we, we, it's shoring up the the basic fundamentals of American Yeah, strength. you can't, to me, again, I mean, whether it's Ukraine or what we deal with with Russia or China, you cannot deal to me with with somebody else's house if your house isn't in order why is that seemingly so easy for us outside of the beltway to to grasp it's not rocket science <laughs> no it, it's fundamental it's common sense yeah uh eric odland our guest this is where i go captain odland and i know this <laughs> is like the part that you hate but just in case people haven't heard you would you mind first of all i know west point grad you've been deployed uh, you have a wonderful family, but just kind of go through maybe just a brief outline of, of your military career and then how you get to do this day. So I was a senior at West Point when 9-11 happened. I mean, my life was changed on that day. I deployed to Iraq in 2003, was a tank platoon leader there. I uh, did a number of different things uh, throughout the global war on terror. Uh, ended up commanded a, commanding a striker reconnaissance unit in Afghanistan on the border with Pakistan. I uh, left the Army as a captain in 2011, and then I spent a decade in the oil and natural gas industry. All over the country, I've drilled oil and natural gas wells in Colorado safely and sustainably, but finished managing a, a $300 billion pipeline construction project in Israel, uh, helped make them a net exporter of natural gas. So I, I have... I understand geopolitics, I understand energy policy, and I've seen the results of, of the failed policies with this administration and how it impacts global stability. I'm not a war hawk. I, I, I will say that time and time again. I've seen war firsthand. I've experienced the trauma myself. I've seen people hurt and killed. And uh, I want to avoid war at all costs. It doesn't mean I don't believe in judicious use of force, but I want to be very careful in terms of how we use it because it, it costs lives. It, it has long-reaching impacts, especially psychologically, that our society has to account for. And most politicians in Washington have no clue what it means to serve. And look, fortunately, that trend is changing. We've got a lot of veterans stepping up right now, running for office. We've got to get combat veterans in office who know when to send sons and daughters of this country off to war. And it's it's a very rare circumstance and must uh, require the coolest heads and wisdom to prevail before we get into war. Eric Odland, we wish him the best, and we don't mean to pick sides. Actually, that's not true. We fully endorse this United States Army veteran, combat veteran at that. You can find out more. Odland4Colorado.com. That's A-A-D-L-A-N-D. Odland4Colorado.com. She was a trailblazer. We'll have Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek fame and her impact on NASA. 
That comes up next on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. We wrap up the program with a look back, and we remember Nichelle Nichols. Of course, she played Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek and through the movies and so forth. But you know what? After she was off the big screen, after she was off the television, she did not stop working with space. She was such an ambassador to NASA and so cool to think that just perhaps her character inspired little girls to want to get into space or aeronautics. This from CBS News. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. For a woman and boldly go, they did. Those familiar opening words are from the Star Trek television series from the 1960s. The show was set far into the future in the 23rd century, to be exact, but it was forward-thinking in some other important ways, from the controversial social issues it often addressed to its multiracial, multicultural cast, something unheard of in television of the time. Now a new documentary shows how that imagined diversity became reality. It's the true story of how Star Trek actress Michelle Nichols played a key role in NASA's effort to recruit both people of color and the first female astronauts more than four decades ago. Captain, I'm picking up the alien signal again. But it's coming from inside the Enterprise. She was one of Star Trek's now legendary characters. Ship to ship. Healing frequencies open, sir. Lieutenant Noyota Uhura. Can you... Played by actress Nichelle Nichols. Give me that. I'll protect you, fair lady. Sorry, neither. The no-nonsense communications officer whose very presence communicated something powerful to viewers and fans alike. I'm afraid I changed my mind. She wasn't playing some stereotypical role. She wasn't a maid or a nanny or anything. Among them, Benjamin Crump, the civil rights attorney best known for representing the families of Trayvon Martin and George Floyd. Progress report. She was the third house-ranking member in a space command. I mean, you talk about every little black boy and girl running to the TV to say, hold on, that's a black woman and she's in charge? See, in our century, we've learned not to fear words. May I present our communications officer, Lieutenant Uhura? This is a fight for our children. Crump and director Todd Thompson, whom we met at the Johnson Space Center, are executive producers of Woman in Motion, Nichelle Nichols, Star Trek, and the remaking of NASA. The rollout of NASA's space shuttle Orbiter 101. Why don't we know the story? I think a lot of things happen in history that we just take for granted and don't pay any attention to until it's time to take, pay attention to it. And Michelle's story in particular is so monumental that I think deserves our attention, deserves our respect. Star Trek wasn't a big hit its first year on the air. Nichols was actually planning to leave the show to pursue a career on Broadway. That is, until she met someone else very conscious of the impact she was having. It was civil rights icon, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., a devout Trekkie, who told Nichols Star Trek was the only TV show he'd watch with his children. 
and pleaded with her to stay aboard the Starship Enterprise. He said, you don't understand the effect that you are having, not only on black people, not only on young women, but on everybody. And stay she did, making even more history with American television's first interracial kiss. Enterprise. This growing fame would soon transport her from a fictional space program to the real thing. Two, one. NASA was coming off the Apollo program. They were gearing up for this new exciting thing called the space shuttle program. And they, they needed a different class of astronauts instead of the traditional test pilot. So because they couldn't of, find any. They, they couldn't find any, but mostly because, you know, who would have thought that all the people working at NASA were huge Star Trek fans for obvious reasons. So NASA started showing up at the Star Trek conventions as well. She gave a speech to NASA because of Lieutenant Uhura and the success of Star Trek. And when she looked out in the audience, she said she didn't see any women. She didn't see any minorities. And so she said, where are my people? And I meant that then and I mean it now. But there was one person in that room who was really listening in. Yeah, it was the head of NASA. And so they came and they met with her and they challenged her. They said, you know, literally, will you help us? Reluctant at first, Nichols accepted the challenge, forming the company Women in Motion and embarking upon a year-long mission to change the face of NASA. Hi, I'm Michelle Nichols, but I still feel a little bit like Lieutenant Uhura on the Starship Enterprise. She shot this recruitment film here at the Space Center, seeking astronauts for the shuttle program. So that is why I'm speaking to the whole family of humankind. Minorities and women alike. This is your NASA. And she literally went to every major city around the country, every historically black college and university. And what she's saying, NASA needs you. History needs you. And soon enough, Star Trek's fantasy prediction of a more diverse future took a step closer to reality. Thanks to Nichols, 8,000 people applied to NASA's 1978 astronaut class. In all, 35 new recruits were chosen, including for the first time, six women and four people of color. All six of the women that were recruited during that 1978 class, and every single one of them would be high-fiving Nichelle and, you know, giving their thanks to her for what she did. Nicole Stott is a retired shuttle astronaut. She says Nichols brought an inspiring seriousness and credibility to the effort. She didn't want to be this mascot for NASA. She wanted to be a strong, independent, powerful voice for this population that hadn't been represented by NASA yet, so that it would be believable. And I think that's what those women would say, is that it was believable. And they were encouraged to pick up the pen and fill out the application. Now 88 years old, Nichols is out of the public eye. But in interviews for the documentary, she recalled that time when she was as determined as the character she played to help women and people of color cross a final frontier of opportunity. Well, this might sound a little corny, but it felt like my children and my heart, it pounded. And I knew the world will never be the same again. We would go on to great heights. And to think that 
I had the slightest thing to do with it. <sighs> Makes me know that all things good are possible. Again, that from CBS News. An inspiration, perhaps to so many little girls that got into space or aeronautics because of Nichelle Nichols' role as Lieutenant Uhura. We wrap up the program with a look, and it's hard to believe, for the first time in our history, in the history of the United States Marine Corps, a black man has become a four-star general. Lieutenant General Michael Langley has been a Marine more than 35 years, and now he's expected to make military history. If the Senate confirms him, Langley will become the first black four-star general in the 246-year history of the Marine Corps. President Biden nominated him to be the commander of U.S. of U.S. Africa Command and oversee nearly 6,000 U.S. troops in Africa. Langley is a graduate of UT Arlington and Western Hills High School in Fort Worth. He joined the Marines in 1985. Yesterday, Langley recognized his family who joined him for the confirmation hearing, including his sister from Keller and father and stepmother from Fort Worth. His father also served, dedicating 25 years to the Air Force. As many nominees have said in testimony before me, military families formed a bedrock upon which our joint force readiness stands. My family is no different. My family is a personal example and continual encouragement have been a constant source of strength for me. Without their support, I would not be here today. The Council on Foreign Relations says more than 80 percent of high-ranking U.S. military officers are white. As of last year, Langley was one of only six black generals in the Marines. And General Langley has commanded at every level, serving in Afghanistan, Somalia and Japan. He's also held top jobs within the Pentagon and led U.S. forces in Europe and Africa. So quite the resume. We'll continue to follow his progress and perhaps have more at a later date right here on the program. That wraps it up for this week for our producer, Michael Arpaio. Have a terrific week ahead. Join us for the regular program tomorrow, 3 to 7 Mountain Time, 710 KNUS in Denver. I'm Stephen Tubbs. Remember our troops. The American Veteran Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show. Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for, 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit, 20% off gifts to celebrate the season, and 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC, in stores and online, now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly.